0: Good morning. You guys look great this morning, enjoying Christmas season. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now uh, from an off-site campus or on the internet, wherever you happen to be. Uh, We are glad that you are here. Uh, A couple of things. Listen, I was listening to some of the Christmas music on the way here this morning. Have you guys downloaded the or picked up a copy of the Seacoast uh, whatever? I'm telling you what, that, who's laughing now? Come on. It's good stuff. It really is. Um, it, I don't want to be hypey, but like, that's the best stuff I've ever heard in my life. Is that too much hype? Good stuff. So if you haven't, if you haven't downloaded it, do it. Uh, go to iTunes and uh, search for Seacoast Worship, and then it's on there, Christmas Collective. Uh, also, uh, remember to invite somebody to Christmas Eve services. We have about a thousand of them at all the campuses, and just come anytime Christmas week, and we'll be here, and uh, it'll be great. And also, um, I think the North North Greenville basketball team. You guys wave? You gonna wave just a little bit? Good to see you guys. Welcome. Yeah. They are uh, they are here today to play College of Charleston. I know some of the College of Charleston players come too. They were the ones booing when uh, they were waiting, and uh, but glad you guys are here. Welcome today. Um, so, so, so let me ask you this. How many of you have ever had buyer's remorse? Anybody? You know what that is? Familiar with that? Yeah. Buyer's remorse. You, you think you've got to have something and you save up or you go on credit to get it, you know. And, and at the moment of purchase, you had huge waves of joy. You remember that? Just huge waves of joy. And then on the way home, or just after you click you know, on the computer or you know, after you make your first payment, you have feelings of remorse. That's buyer's remorse. Buyer's remorse is why there are no gift receipts on spouses, okay? Just... <laughs> you know, I thought that was really funny when I wrote that. I did. <laughs> there has not been a service yet. This is the third one, not a service yet where they have laughed like wholeheartedly about that, but it is funny, it's funny stuff. (laughs) So you remember, you remember those waves of joy when you purchased whatever it is that you purchased? Well, those weren't actually waves of joy, but they were feelings of intense happiness. It's okay to have feelings of intense happiness, but they're two very similar things, but they're not the same, and you need to know the difference between joy and happiness. Because they on the outside, they look the same. On the inside, they're very different at their core. In fact, to illustrate that, let me, let me, let me show you something. I've got, I've got some apples. Can you see the apples? Okay. And uh, let's just take this apple right here and this one right here. They look very much the same. Okay, but they're not. They're different. Let me, let's just do a taste test. That one's good. It's a good apple. Very good apple. This one? It's plastic. It's actually styrofoam. (laughs) This is not good. It was supposed to just come apart, but some of those little things are in here right now. Pray for me, if you would, real quick. This could be a difficult message. All right, I'll just sit right there how's that so so they' they're they're very different one, one of them's real, and the other one is is plastic and uh, and they 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 do taste differently and so we'll come back to these in a minute. The Christmas story is about the coming of joy, which this one represents, and not happiness. see um. We sang a little bit earlier, joy to the world. We love that song, joy to the world. But we don't know a lot about what joy is. What, what do we know about joy? Well, we know if you play words with friends that uh, the word joy is worth 13 points. Unless you put it on a triple word. Doesn't I thought that was funny too. Does anybody play words with friends? Anybody at all? About four of you. Okay, whatever. I have to upgrade my you know, current pop culture stuff. Let's read the Bible. Can we read the Bible? Let's just read the Bible. (laughs) Luke 2 and verse 8 is the introduction of this concept of joy in the Christmas story. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, which should have been a very exciting thing. Would you agree with that? The presence of God right here, right right here. But it says they were terrified. And that's not unusual. I mean, when God intersects your life, oftentimes it's terrifying. I remember 28 years ago, we were minding our own business in northern Illinois. And God intersected our life and kind of directed us to come to South Carolina. I'd like to tell you that was an exciting day for me. It was a frustrating time for me. It was a scary, scary, scary time for our family. And oftentimes it's like that when God begins to move or intersects in your life. And so they're terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. So the angel comes and says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for who? All. All. For all the people. Okay, let me ask you a question about the story. Did it make everybody happy? Think about the story. You guys know the Christmas story. Did it make everybody happy? No. No. There were some people that didn't make happy at all. Can you think of any of them? Herod. Okay, Herod, the king. And the story goes, a new king is coming. I'm king. I've got that <laughs> job. Don't need a new one. This is a threat. He was not happy. The religious leaders at first were very excited. Messiah, this is what we've been waiting for. But when he didn't do the Messiah stuff like they thought he should, they weren't happy. In fact, they killed him. All right? So the, the, noise, the, the news didn't make everybody happy, but it was to bring joy to all people. Now today, I want to talk about how to be joyful no matter what. I want to talk about the difference between joy and happiness, which is plastic. And uh, since they look so much alike, it's, it's easy to ch- chase after the, the, the wrong thing, the wrong one. Why is that important? It's important because if you pursue happiness instead of joy, you'll chase after the wrong things. And when they're taken away, it may leave you disillusioned and asking the wrong questions. And so if you, if you bite from the wrong one, just like I did today, it may leave a bad taste in your mouth. Does that make sense? So let's talk about it a little bit. What's the difference? between joy and happiness. First one is this, happiness is what happens to you. Joy is what is produced in you. Happiness is what happens to you. Joy is what is produced in you. Happiness is cause and effect. Something happens that makes you happy. For instance, what if we were to have an Oprah or Ellen moment right here? I would. I was watching Ellen the other day. Don't judge me. <laughs> I was in a hotel room and I popped on the TV and Ellen was on. And before I could switch it to Sports Center, I got hooked on what, what she was talking about. And so, so it's one of those days when she says, We're going to give everybody, and you're like, Ah! ah, ah. Yeah. So what if I. What if we were to have an Oprah Ella moment? I am going to give everybody in this building a new car. Oh, that was lame. You don't believe me, do you? It's a good thing. If it was true, some of you go, oh, what a great church. Oh, I love this place. I love Jesus so much. I love Pastor Greg, oh, it's so wonderful when he's here, it's just awesome. So happy. So what if I announced, uh, one of the ushers just told me that somebody keyed all the cars in the parking lot, and they smashed the passenger side window, and they stole your iPad that you left out there. Then what would you say? Would you be happy? No, that makes me so mad. We were just talking the other night in our care group that we need to increase security around here with ISIS and all that stuff going on. I've been telling everybody, and now they like, somebody mashes our parking lot, the cars in my iPad. It's ridiculous. When are they going to get it? I don't know. Happiness is external. It's cause and effect. I'm happy if my team wins, you know, The basketball game, or my team wins the World Series, Cubs, someday it's gonna happen. I believe it's gonna happen. (laughs) I'm happy if the right guy smiles at me in class, or I get a raise, or my wife responds to me appropriately, or my kids get good grades, or you just fill in the blank. I'm happy if. Happiness, external. Joy is internal, it's produced, from within. It's called a fruit of the Spirit. In fact, let's read together Galatians 5, 22. Let's read it out loud. Everybody in the campuses and here in this building, let's read it out loud. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. How can you tell God is at work in somebody? These fruits are growing. When I become a Christ follower, what does that mean? That means that it could happen during a service, like the end of this service, I'll give you an opportunity, or it could happen at home, it could happen, you know. Usually you're facing a difficult time in your life, and you recognize that you need a, a power greater than yourself and maybe you just fall to your knees or you sit there at work or at school, wherever you happen to be, and you say, God, I'm at the end of myself. I need you. Would you, would you help me? And maybe you know even the words that you learn, you know, in church, that I'm a sinner and, and Jesus saved me. I don't even know that the words are that important. God knows your heart. And you commit yourself to him. And something happens, it's more than just a mental kind of deal. There's a spiritual thing that happens inside. In fact, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And and there are seeds that are planted, seeds of love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and self-control, and all of that kind of thing. And those seeds, as you kind of press into God, the more and more I surrender my life and control of my life to God, the more fruit is produced. In fact, I believe that we today are the fulfillment of what the angel said on that night years ago when he said that this will be joy to all people. So that there would come a day when everybody would have access. At that particular point, there was only one group of people that really had access and and the coming of the Messiah increased that. Didn't eliminate all the others. It increased access to joy. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 11 says, May you always, say always together with me, always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. What's the fruit of your salvation? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, self-control, all of those things. May you always be filled. Uh, By the way, how many of you are always filled with those? That's why I have a job, okay? (laughs) These good things that are produced in your life by Jesus Christ for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Now let me give you the God's will for everybody in here. Everybody. It's in the next verse, Philippians four. Always, say always together. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And he's talking about in really tough situations. The goal is that joy doesn't come and go depending on what happens to me because happiness is what happens to you. Joy is what is produced in you. I'm gonna give you another difference. I'm gonna talk to you during this particular difference between joy and happiness about how how you can be joyful always. That's this. Happiness is insecure. Joy is confident. Happiness is insecure. In other words, it's not anchored. You know, if you ever been fishing or in a boat and, um, and you found a good fishing hole, I mean, that's, that's a wonderful thing. And, 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 and if, you, if you don't anchor where you can stay there, you're just blown wherever. Just blown wherever. And that's happiness and joy. It's a difference in happiness and joy. Happiness has no anchor. It just is, okay, if it's a good day, if good things happen then I'm happy if bad things happen. I'm not happy. Joy is anchored. Joy is anchored. Happiness is a moving target. The list of what makes me happy is always increasing. Your Christmas list is bigger this year than it was last year. It's always increasing. Proverbs 27, verse 20 says, just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. That what that means is when you get what you want, it's not good enough, and so you want something else. Remember last Christmas, you had a Christmas list, and you you know you're getting ready for the new year. And the new year, you are going to make some New Year's resolutions, and you're going to get in shape. This is going to be the year you get in shape, and you're going to walk a thousand steps and all the and drink you know uh, five gallons of water or whatever it is. And so on your Christmas list, you wanted a Fitbit. Remember the Fitbit? That's the some of you have them on. How many of you, does anybody have a Fitbit on right now? Just raise your hand. Fitbit, there we go. There we go. And you got it for Christmas. You were excited about waves of, waves of intense happiness came over you. And then a little bit later in the year, your pastor got, yes, that's right, <laughs> an, an Apple watch. Or it might have been the guy next to you, and you're not as happy now because all yours does is count steps and stuff. Mine, I can do Voicemail on it. I can do all kinds of things. And so you have got to, this year, you have got to have an Apple Watch because your desire has grown. Your desire has grown. Here's a tweetable. You guys Twitter? Here it is. Today's contentment becomes the source of tomorrow's complaining. Yeah, let me do it again. Today's contentment becomes the source of tomorrow's complaining, hashtag Greg <laughs> Because it takes more to make you happy and it's a moving target and it's always something else, okay, joy is confident, it's consistent, it's not ever changing standard, but an ever-growing reality. The fruit of joy grows. The more I get to know God, the more I get closer to God, the more I read his word, fruit grows. The more I'm in relationship with his people, that's why small groups are important, fruit grows. The more I give him control of every decision, not how will this make me feel, will this honor God? That's the question. Will this honor God? Fruit grows. The more I allow him to guide my responses, my attitude, fruit grows. Until ultimately the goal is that we always are joyful according to Philippians 4, but that's hard. I'm just going to give you a real transparent, I'm going to be the most transparent I've probably ever been here. I struggle in this area. I'm going to give you a struggle that I've recently had. It's going to help you though, because some of you are there right now, and I'm going to give you a couple of ways to kind of move toward joy. So I moved to the country. And... um, And I'm a tech freak, I I worked at Hewlett-Packard before I became a pastor, I'm always on the bleeding edge of technology, I buy stuff when it doesn't work, you know, that kind of thing. And so the internet is so important. And I moved into my barn, we live in a little barn right now, I moved into my barn in the country and then they told me that you couldn't get wireless in my neighborhood. You can't get wireless! Everybody has wireless! I was in Haiti, and they had wireless. (laughs) No, Mr. Stratton, you can't get wireless in your neighborhood. Really? Okay. So I hung up. Then I found out that some of my neighbors have wireless. (laughs) AT&T. So I call them up. Hey. It's me again. I'd like to have some wireless. You can't get wireless. You know, I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> I've got this big church i and the head of a church planning organization. I must have wireless. So I do it from home. You can't have it. I said, okay. So I went to the AT&T store. I said, I need some wireless. We'll get you some, no problem. 20 minutes later, somebody from Bolivia, you can't have wireless. (laughs) Don't have it there. So I think my neighbors have it. Nah, you can't have it. So then one day I'm somewhere, I don't know, one of my neighbors texts me and says, there's an AT&T truck at the house right next door. They just moved in. They just moved in. It's AT&T. I think they're, I went and talked to them. They're putting wireless in. hello. I'd like some wireless. We don't have wireless. in your Yes, you do. I will not take no for an answer. I'm not exaggerating right now. That's why I said, I will not take no for an answer. There is wireless right next door. And then I stopped and I thought, um, I'm sorry for yelling at you, but this is real serious for me. I know that you're just doing your job, but there is wireless. I said, right next door? I said, right next door. Both sides. Both sides. <laughs> said, we'll put in a, a tech request. I said, that would be wonderful. How long will it take? Three days, we'll do a full investigation. I thought, well, I've got to win this one. Full investigation. <laughs> Three days later, I am speaking at a, at a conference in Denver, Colorado. It's in the morning. I'm backstage. I'm speaking in seconds, probably minutes, but I'm, I'm next on. I get a phone call, it's AT&T, I gotta answer this one. <laughs> it's the results of the survey, I'm excited. I'm getting, I'm getting wireless. Did I mention that like on Wednesday of this week from my house, I did seven video conferences in one day. You need wireless for that, that eats up lots and lots of stuff. So, hey, what, hey, what's happening? Am I getting wireless? No, sir, you're not getting wireless. It's not available to you. I had taken a picture. Because what they had done is that my neighbor on this side, they strung a wire clear down to my neighbor on this side, and it was across my driveway. (laughs) And I told him that. And I might have used a bowling word while I was telling. Them. And I, it was a small one, you guys use worse ones, but I, I, just, I just, I was so, fr- I said, I have to have wireless. The wires across my driveway, this is discrimination. I'll talk to you later, I've gotta go preach. I'm sorry. <laughs> Told people about Jesus. And then I went back and I called him back and I said, "Hey, <laughs> what is up?" He says, "Well, the deal of it is, is we don't have the regular stuff, but we do have a little bit of stuff. But we only got room for 50 people, and you're not on the list." I said, "I've been calling for months. What can I do about that? Nothing." So I hung up the phone at that point. I had had hope up to that moment. I'm powerless. Unless one of you is the president of AT&T. That would be great. Let's have coffee. <laughs> Powerless. Frustrated. So I went to God. This is true. God, why? What do I do? Write the word count. I'm going to give you two things that are going to help you. Write count. you got to count two things. Okay. This is what the Lord showed me. It's not rocket science. First one is you count it all joy. I'm going to read you a scripture I hate, okay? Are there any of those in the Bible? <laughs> James 1 and verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you can't get AT&T wireless. <laughs> because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's the first verse I got. It's like, is there another verse? No, that's the one you need right now. Apparently there's something lacking in you. That wireless or lack of wireless steals your joy. So I meditated on that for a day or two. Okay, God, work it out in me, work it out in me, work it out in me. I'm going to count it all joy. And I did. The second one is a simple one. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. So I thought, how can I count? Oh, I know, I know, I know. All right, this is getting way techy, but one more and I'm done. I have an iPhone. I bought the very first iPhone, and when you bought the very first iPhone, you had several options for plans. I bought the unlimited data plan. Then they figured out, this is not good for our company, and they eliminated that plan in the future, but if you are grandfathered in, you can still have it. How many of you have the unlimited data plan? Isn't it wonderful? Have they offered you the moon in order to I've been offered wonderful things in order to change that. No. And so. And so like this week I did seven video conferences in one day I get notes that tell me you are using more data than a, than a small city. <laughs> but they can't do a thing about it, it's awesome,
1: it's awesome,
0: count it all joy. <laughs> count your blessings. As I learned to cultivate joy, <laughs> the more I can experience God's peace in times of uncertainty. See, right after telling us that we should always be full of joy, Paul says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. If you'll do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Happiness happens to us joy happens in us happiness is insecure joy is confident let me give you one more happiness is dictated by the facts joy is defined by the truth see if the facts are favorable happiness increases if the key indicators in the economy or in your family or in your business are going up you're happy if the doctor report is good you're happy if your kid is the student of the month you're happy if you if he or she says yes you're the one you're happy But if the facts are unfavorable, happiness decreases. Your portfolio heads south, the cancer has grown. The kid gets arrested, he or she says no. Happiness is dictated by the facts. But here's the truth, the facts don't always convey the truth. Let me give you an example. A couple of years ago, one of our kids called Debbie and said, we wanna buy Greg a new shirt. What size does he wear? Easy. She gave him the size. I got the shirt for Christmas. The tag says it was the right size. I'd have to fast till Easter to button the thing. <laughs> the facts don't always convey the truth. What we fail to factor in is slim fit, which is of the devil. Okay, slim fit. <laughs> yeah, the facts aren't always the truth. Let me give you a, a biblical story on that. We'll kind of wrap it up. I love the story of Abraham, the father of faith. In fact, Jews, Christians, Muslims, everybody pretty much traces their faith back to Abraham. And uh, and his story is incredible. It's incredible. The uh, God came to him and made him a promise and said, you're going to have kids. In fact, not just kids, you're going to be the father of many nations. He's an old dude, 75 years old when that happens. God says it's going to happen. And uh, he believes God. And finally, when he's 100 years old, he has a, a child. And so Romans 4 talks about this. When God promised Abraham that he would become the father of many nations, Abraham believed him. He just believed him. God had also said, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars, even though such a promise seemed utterly impossible. And Abraham's faith didn't weaken, even though he knew he was too old to be the father at the age of 100. And that Sarah, his wife, get this, had been barren, had never been able to have kids. But Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. That's why he's called the father of faith. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was absolutely convinced that God was able to do anything that he promised. What a place to live. He is absolutely convinced that God can do anything that he promised. Well, the facts in your situation may not indicate that happy times are ahead. You may have been downsized by a bad economy. You may have gotten a bad report from the doctor. The child you prayed for may be far from God. The list goes on and on. How do you have joy no matter what? You put your faith in the truth, not in the facts. The truth of God's word. The promises of God. See, Abraham had a covenant with God. And he stood on that covenant. He said, God, you promised. I'm going to believe it. You have a covenant with God through Jesus Christ and through the cross. And there are promises, some things that God has promised you based on the cross. Let's look at a few of them. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You may be in a very difficult season right now. Every weekend there are people here that are in, in unbelievable, I mean you can look around in your row and there, there's probably somebody there that's going through tough, tough stuff. Here's promise. Romans eight twenty eight says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Do you believe that? Do you believe the facts or do you believe the truth? Do you believe it with all of your heart that God will, God will cause everything to work together for good? Philippians 4.19 says, and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You may be in a really tough place financially right now. Do you believe the truth? That God will it might not be in your timing and it might not look like you think it should look but it will be infinitely more than you could ask or imagine do you believe that what about a bad medical report James 5 and verse 14 says are any among you sick they should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord several years ago the Lord spoke to me and said you need to do that every time you have church Because people need to be able to receive healing. And so we recruited elders and prayer teams who would pray at every campus. Here in this building, it's always at the back of the on the back wall. And you know what? We didn't have to twist anybody's arms. There were people just hoping to be able to use their gift of faith. And their gift of prayer. And so and so every every week you had that opportunity. And it says, And their prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will make them well, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. And we have testimonies of how God has done that. Well, what if I don't get well? Well, there's a promise for you. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 1 says, For we know that when this earthly tent that we live in is taken down, when we die, were you aware that the mortality rate is still right around 100% right here in Mount Pleasant? It doesn't say if you die. It says when you die. We're all going to die. It says when you die and leave these bodies, we will have a home in heaven. That's a promise. That's a promise. An eternal body made for us by God Himself, not by human hands. That's a promise. I walked in about a week and a half ago to a friend's house here in the Charleston area. The husband of the home, cancer. been visiting with him off and on and and it's down toward the end. And I just happened to walk in, just happened to walk in 10 minutes before he breathed his last breath. I had just talked to him the week before, just sat down and talked to him a little bit about heaven, just say, hey, how you feeling, man? And he was full of joy in the midst of the most painful situation that you could imagine because his thoughts were there we talked about whether there was golf in heaven or not obviously there is he's a golfer I said man you make a tee time not too soon for me but let's get it let we'll get together you know so I walked in and his wife and his caretaker were climbed up in this big bed wife on one side caretaker on the other I thought what the heck I climbed up in there too I don't know what to say in those deals I just thought "I'll, I'll just be close and we watched him take his last breath. His son walked in, godly man. I said, how, how, how could you live through this if you didn't have the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ? How do you deal with that? Well, the good news is you don't have to. You don't have to. In fact, the next verse says, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Colossians 3, 2 says, Let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't think only about things down here on earth. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Love the next verse. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 says, That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. That's that joy. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things. We're not looking at the facts. We're looking through eyes of faith. And we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. A Couple, three years ago, I was having lunch with a young pastor, one of the brightest young pastors in America, Great Church in Texas. Just a year before, not long before Christmas, he'd had a seizure. Guy in his 30s had a seizure. Within days, he's in surgery, eight hours. Removed most of a malignant, most of a malignant cancerous tumor from his brain. Went through a year of radiation, chemo, no guarantees. He wrote a blog during that time. He said this, I'll be honest, that season was terrifying. We wept, I wept with my wife, my friends, my family members, partners in ministry, wept by myself. Leading up to the surgery, if I saw one of my children, particularly my oldest daughter, it was a fight to hold myself together. Under all of that fear and those tears, There was this quiet confidence, this firm foundation, this unshakable promise, and we never lost it. The world would sink in the days and months to come, but we continually found our footing in the truth that he is in control of all things. He loves me deeply, and he works all things together for my good. In this situation, he's thriving. He's still alive, doing well. But the truth is everyone here is just one phone call away from losing everything that sustains your current happiness what happens then if you have bitten from this apple the plastic one it's happiness you will be left with only sadness grief and despair if you've bitten from this apple the real one joy you will be left with perhaps sadness and some grief but a joy that will sustain you. You will be able to say with Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. See, that joy that the angel spoke of to some lonely, fearful shepherds on a cold, dark night 2,000 years ago is a joy that's available to you and I today. And that's good news. Will you bow for closing prayer? Father, I thank you for this wonderful group gathered here and in various auditoriums across the state. God, I ask that in these moments that there would be an honesty that would just really settle down inside of us, that we would search our hearts to know what is it we're depending on? Is it an external happiness or is it an internal joy that's produced by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would heal broken hearts, that you would give hope to the hopeless. God, that you would draw close to you, people who are far from you right now. And we just ask that in your name, amen.